Great. Well, please do take a seat. Um, And why don't we uh, pray to start. Dear Lord, we we praise you for Psalm 16 and what a refuge you are. Please help us now to understand more of this psalm together. Please help me to take refuge in you as I preach. Please, Father, use your Holy Spirit to change our hearts, our lives, and bring you glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Great. Uh, So for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Jack, uh, married to Olive, who... Has just left. Oh, no, 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 she's there. No, okay, that's good. Don't worry, guys. Um, She's still here. Uh, So, yeah, uh, I'm I'm a member here at St. John's. We've been here for just just almost a year now, actually. Um, And we've recently transferred to the morning service. So thanks for having me back with the cool crowd in the evening. So um, (laughs) thanks for having me. Um, And as Andy has already said, as a church this summer, we're going through um, a series of psalms that point to Jesus. And tonight we hit Psalm 16, and I'm glad to say that's no exception. Um, Tonight, to keep everyone on their toes as well, you should have received a pink uh, handout that's actually got the passage. Um, It just helps us to follow along the passage. Uh, The NIV translation's a little tricky, so I thought it would be good to just have the passage in front of us. And also, you should have a little green sheet as well if you want to pass, follow through the, uh, the sermon as well. Great. So, uh, I want to start with a question. Uh, Where do you find your security? Where do you find your security? It may be uh, our relationships. It may be our career, our success, our bank balance, our home, our popularity... Ultimately, we might find lots of ways to try and get security or gain security, but I don't know about you, they, they often fail to deliver, don't they? They, they leave us feeling a little, or they, they leave us feeling insecure. Well, Johnny Wilkinson, a man who, uh, who tasted great worldly success, a World Cup winner in rugby union, as you may or may not know, um, I think he's leading point scorer for England as well. He's probably the most recognised face of rugby, certainly in his day. He once commented on his success. He said, I realise that at 24 years old, I couldn't afford to let the World Cup win be the pinnacle of my career. It would have been nice to say the pressure was off, but unfortunately, any sense of nirvana as a result was swiftly replaced by deep anxiety. I'd sit with my New England teammates, consumed with feelings of huge insecurity. Feelings of almost embarrassment. Feelings that I wasn't really worth it. Now, Johnny Wilkinson has this insecurity uh, despite being a World Cup winner. Despite great worldly success that he achieved. And it may not be a World Cup winner's medal that we seek. It might be, but it might not be. Um, It may be security and other things. Uh, But ultimately, we find that they fail to deliver. Well, tonight, uh, we're going to have a look at where we can find true security. And at the start of Psalm 16, we meet David. He's on the run from his enemies. And he, too, has deep feelings of insecurity. Look look with me at verse 1, if you will. 
He prays in verse 1, Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. So the fact that he is praying this prayer, we can assume that David is, is in need of help from God, isn't he? He's calling out to him and is feeling insecure. David seeks security, but, but reading on in Psalm 16, we also become privy to a conversation between David the psalmist and someone else. And that takes us to our first point this evening, um, if you're following along, the dissatisfaction of doubling up. The dissatisfaction of doubling up. So, look down with me at verse 2. You say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, you say, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after other gods will increase. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take up their names on my lips. So so what do we find out in this uh, little conversation? Well, on the one hand, this person that the psalmist David is talking to is saying to God, you are my Lord. But on the other hand, he's referring to the other gods. They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Can you see here that we find David talking to a syncretist? Now, I didn't know what a syncretist was when I first read that. A syncretist is someone who combines different forms of belief. So they claim to follow God, the God of Israel, who apart from there is no good, but then all their delight is in the excellent ones, the other gods. So why do we get ear to this conversation? Why is this significant to the Israelites and David who would have sung this psalm? Well, around the time of this psalm, there was a, there was a common class of people in Israel, um, the syncretists, let's call them, who, who continued to worship the God, the God of Israel, as they thought, but also worship the pagan deities, the, the holy ones, the excellent ones of verse 3, whose cults existed in the lands and and actually came from the neighbouring nations. Presumably, the other person representing the temptation faced by David in, the, in, in David's time of crisis was saying, well, when, when trouble comes, it would surely be better, better to have both God and the other gods standing alongside, for, for together they, they could offer you more protection than one single god. Do you see, they were, they were doubling up. They were hedging their bets. They had a both and perspective. Imagine, if you will, uh, you were having a birthday party and invited all your friends and family to come along. Not only that, but Gordon Ramsay had agreed to make you the best birthday cake ever. The invites go out and everyone is excited. And you think, okay, brilliant. So, shopping for that very party in Sainsbury's, you walk past the Sainsbury's Taste the Difference chocolate cake. (laughs) And you end up thinking to yourself, well, what if if Gordon doesn't deliver on that cake? What, What if, you know, what if he forgets? He's a busy man. I mean, what if he, what if he's late as well? I better just get this one just in case. You know, I guess actually at the end of the day, two will be better than one. You reach out and you grab the cake and you put it in the trolley. 
However, when, when the party comes, well, your cake comes out. And actually, for a party of a few people, that's, that's a bit inadequate. It's, it fails to satisfy. In fact, it's, it's rubbish in comparison. It's nothing on Gordon's cake that is far, far better. So, now, I understand that's a pretty trivial example, but, but like David, we too find it tempting to follow the ways of the syncretists, don't we? We, we like to hedge our bets. We, we double up on which gods to follow. Now, it may not be Baal or the other pagan deities of Israel's day, but we so often hedge our bets. It might often be in our career or in our bank balance or in our relationships or in our popularity. But did you see the warning in verse 4? The sorrows of those who run after other gods will increase. So David now saying, he's refusing such temptation to go with the way of the syncretist and is rising in confidence. His help would be found in God alone. For David, it was not a both-and situation, but an either-or. David sees the folly of doubling up, or of hedging our bets. And we should see that folly too, shouldn't we? Because we're told it will be dissatisfying. It will be disastrous, in fact. Our sorrows will increase. They will know no end. So we see this today, don't we? Um, a friend of mine works at a big international investment bank, and last year he was telling me about his boss. Now, his boss um, admitted that he, I think in the last deal he did, he got a £20 million bonus. But after admitting that, he also admitted how deflated he felt, as he realised that this great wealth did not deliver the security it promised. And in great contrast, that's why it's so encouraging to, to look at this psalm and, and follow the rest of this psalm through. Because as we see in the rest of this chapter, David refuses to pour out sacrifices to the gods. In verse 4, their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take up their names on my lips. But also, it shows David has the delight of a secure inheritance. And that's our second point tonight. David has a delight of a secure inheritance. Now, uh, this delight for David and the Israelites comes as they're reminded of God's faithfulness. They're reminded in how God has given them a promised land. So uh, please look down with me again at the pink sheets at verse 5 and 6. The Lord is my allotted portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in the pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. The words in these two verses would have rung big Ben bells in their minds. Not alarm bells, big Ben bells. They, the words such as allotted portion, cup, boundary lines, lot they would all remind the Israelites of the time when God had brought them into the promised land and defeated the Canaanites. Because at that time, each family would have been physically plotted a, a, an allotted plot of land. So 
David, son of Jesse, would have been given a physical land that would be his inheritance. So Alex would have been given a plot of land that would have physically been marked out and that would be his inheritance and so on and so forth. So with David on the run, feeling insecure, what a reassurance and a reminder that that God is faithful. He allotted my portion. He will keep me secure. How much better does that sound compared to doubling up on the gods that do not satisfy or do not secure? So how how does David react? Well, in in verse 7, we we see he'll praise the Lord. He acknowledges that God gives him counsel. And and in verse 8, he's at his right hand. He will not be shaken. But, But not only that, David and the Israelites can delight in a secure inheritance because God is faithful in promising eternal life. God is faithful in promising eternal life. Look, look down with me at verse 9 again, if you will. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to the realm of the dead or let your Holy One see decay. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. The psalm encourages the Israelites and David, they can even face a physical death in confidence. No wonder David's whole being is rejoicing. For him and the Israelites, remember, remembering God's eternal faithfulness, even beyond death, would have been a massive encouragement for continued devotion throughout the toughest of times. So this is not only true for the Israelites and David, this this should also encourage us, no? We should be full of joy about this. And I I don't know about you, sometimes I I feel we can be a little little dry. Um, Yesterday, seeking uh, an illustration for this point, and as a foreshadow of this very moment, I I googled bored at church. Um, and it kicked back a video of Mr. Bean um, desperately trying to stay awake in his sermon doing this, you know, and doing all that. Um, and I, I feel, it was a poor illustration, but I feel we can be a little bit like this. I feel we can be a little bit sleepy when absorbing these truths about a secure inheritance. Hearing them again and again, they, they can lose their impact. We should be jumping for joy. We, we should react as David does and praise the Lord, knowing that in God's presence, in verse 11, there is a fullness of joy. How much better is that than anything else we try to double up or hedge our bets with? So we've, we've looked at the dissatisfaction of doubling up and the delight of a secure inheritance. Now we're going to look at how, as believers... We have a secure inheritance. So David was a king who had been harassed and humbled. David was a king who was under pressure on all sides. David was a king who was isolated. David was a king who 
endured suffering and pain. A king who knew of his inheritance. David was a king who knew a faithful God would deliver him through death. Now, does that sound familiar? That takes us to our final point this evening, the the foundation of a secure inheritance. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts 2, um, where we'll see that the foundation of a secure inheritance is in another king, Jesus Christ. Um, So if you turn actually to Acts chapter 2, and turn to page 1094 in the Bibles, and we find Peter giving a sermon to a crowd in Jerusalem, and after quoting from Psalm 16, he says from verse 29, Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Peter draws on Psalm 16 to show how God has fulfilled his promise of eternal life in Christ. That now Christ had died and has been raised to life, he has fulfilled this psalm. Do you see? It might be hard to get there. So how does Peter come to to that conclusion? How does Peter get there? Well, well first, in verse 29 in Acts chapter 2, he says, David died and was buried. So he's saying, you can go and pay money. Go go and check David's tomb. David is dead. So, So why is he talking about facing death with such confidence in Psalm 16. He cannot be referring entirely to himself, can he? Well, second, he was, David was a prophet, verse 30. He knew that a descendant of his would one day be the Messiah that God had promised. And that person was Jesus. And look at verse 31 as well. David saw what was to come, the bodily resurrection of the Messiah, where Christ's body did not see decay. So verse 31, seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. If you look back at Psalm 16 as well with me, throughout, from verse 5, you hear David is saying, my portion, my cup, my lot, my heart, my right hand, my whole being, my body, my soul. But in verse 10, it is your Holy One, God's Holy One, Jesus Christ. And we know that God was faithful to Christ. And as believers, we are in Christ. So we can take courage because he too will be faithful to us in death. Brothers and sisters, Christ is the foundation of this secure inheritance we have. Christ is the foundation of the secure inheritance we have. So to, to conclude then, uh, take all of us 
at church who are struggling with work or maybe are out of work at the moment. This psalm is for you. No need to double up or or hedge our bets or idolise our work or career because security, our security, is in God alone. Our sorrows will increase if we pursue those idols. Take our good friend Mo as an example. He's facing a huge insecurity at the moment, but in the near future, but this psalm is for him. Knowing Jesus has secured for us the delight of a secure inheritance. And take our friends at church that are dealing with broken or painful relationships. Well, this psalm is for you. This psalm reminds us that Jesus is the foundation of that secure inheritance. We can take refuge in him. So uh, Johnny Wilkinson, um, speaking after he retired, said, on my path, it, it is always coming towards this existential drive of finding out the real answer behind what's going to last. Well, I'm, I'm not sure where Johnny stands and how assured he feels in his pursuit of long-lasting security, but if you're yet to find security in Christ, and maybe you're seeking security in your relationships, your bank balance, your home, your career, whatever it might be, may I encourage you to delve more into Psalm 16 and know that Christ, our refuge, provides all sufficient security and assurance. So let's, um, let's pray to close. Dear Father, thank you that Christ is our ultimate security and assurance. Please help us to cling to that truth now and in the weeks to come, knowing that you will hold us fast, both in this life and through death, to enjoy a delightful inheritance with you. In your name we pray. Amen.